All right. Welcome back, everyone. It is Book of Experts TV. And boy, we have a great topic today. We're going to be talking about virtual networking. We have a panel discussion. I brought on three different uh, experts in this space that are doing really, really interesting things in the virtual networking space. And then after that, after that, for the first time, we're actually going to host our first Book of Experts Meetup Mixer. What's that? It's like speed dating in the networking space. And you're invited to do that. I'll make sure we get a link in the comments for you as well. But uh, yeah, come join us. It's it's really interesting. We're going to be testing a new platform. We'll be doing that at the top of the hour next hour, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and we'll be doing more in the future. So if you catch this on a replay, just keep an eye out. But we'll be doing, doing more of these uh, virtual networking events and connecting people because it's fun. You guys should be connected. There's a lot of experts out in your space. They might be your next strategic partner. They might be your next client. They might be your next friend. We'll help facilitate that for you. But right now, let's get started with Book of Experts TV. Time for Book of Experts TV. Topics you love. Experts you trust. Friction-free referrals. Tried, tested, trusted. This is Book of Experts, brought to you by salesman.me. So welcome back, Kat Stancic, to the Book of Experts TV and the panel discussions. I know you you always bring the fun, you always bring the laughs, and uh, <laughs> excited to know what you know as well, uh, but super excited to hear. We have uh, two new guests joining us. We have Finn Patrick joining us. Uh, from actually finpatrick.com. I also had uh, results at scale in there uh, as well. And, and specifically, Finn uh, is the one who introduced me to the speed networking platform that we'll be talking about shortly. So really excited to hear his experience and what he's been doing and why. And then also, we have Kevin Monroe, who's joining us. And Kevin R Monroe is... Uh, He's actually with the Humans First and uh, the Higher Purpose podcast. And I had the uh, fortunate opportunity to join the Humans First team or crowd uh, last Friday at one of their events. And it's a lot of fun. He he's a, does a masterful job of hosting those events, uh, mixing people together, asking great questions. Uh, it's a wonderful community of people that you should definitely check out. So welcome to the whole panel. Thank you. Thanks. So... <laughs> So I'm super excited to hear uh, what you guys are doing because this panel was picked specifically. You all have something going on in this um, uh, this space of virtual networking. But of course, we also call this the experts need to know show because there's news around this as well. I want to bring up on the screen for a second, uh, just as an example, one of the stories that we've been seeing. So this one is from the Harvard Business Review how to network when there are no networking events. That's something we've seen lately. A lot of these big conferences, conventions, places that people are used to going and having an opportunity to meet and connect with others in their industry, they're not, they're not even available to us right now. So people are looking for new and unique ways to network. Uh, and then one of the other news stories was actually, uh, get the headline right here. Uh, actually, now is a great time for networking if you do it right. So what I'd love to hear from you guys is uh, how can we do this net this virtual networking thing better? Uh, let's start with you, Kat. You're we'll go ladies <laughs> first. <laughs> yeah, right. We're gonna go with women first, right? Now we set the tone. So, <laughs> 
Um, what's really interesting. So how to do it right. Is that really, that's the question. Yeah, really. and, and also what are you doing? Because I know you, you, this is a big part of your business with lead boss. Yeah. So sorry, as I lift up all my cords, um, you know, what's working right now is what's always been working for the past, I don't know what, eight, 10 years, actually. The online world is something that a lot of people have been venturing out into, but not a lot of, let's say, corporate level kind of executives and managers, directors, all of those, um, that group of people haven't actually been leveraging it. And one of the reasons is this time commitments in terms of having to travel to and from locations. The other thing too is the sleazeball factor, right? So a lot of times when you go to, I'm like waiting for audience laughter. Um, so. <laughs> A lot of times when you go to these networking events, right, like it's basically, you know, salesy Sal, right, who comes up to you and basically or, you know, collection Colleen, who basically goes and collects all the um, business cards and, and goes and starts pitching. So we get a lot of that on LinkedIn. I call him Pitchy Pete. But the thing is, is that there's a strategic advantage to being able to network online, which is not actually having to, well, let's just say I'm wearing pajama pants, right? So you can leverage your time more effectively and be more diligent in who you're showing up to and how you're showing up. And that's the biggest thing, the biggest myth, right, that's happening online, which is how do you network with someone you've never met? How do you show up? You show up as yourself. Let me go ahead and bust that bubble. The thing is, is people will always buy from people. So when you are a person and you show up as yourself, that is the most lead magnet attractive way to be and show up so that people want to do business with you. And hint, again, it's not pitching your services right off the bat. Yes, I think we see um, way too much of that on sp specifically on LinkedIn. It happens other places too. Uh, speaking of LinkedIn, I actually want to do uh, some shout outs. We have some folks joining us from that channel. So hello, John. We've got Laura joining us as well. Arthur uh, chiming in. Everyone's saying hello. We've got Maureen. Uh, so that was kind of fun to see some of the crowd from LinkedIn joining us on the live stream. Uh, Kevin, I want to hand it over to you for a second because what Kat said Sounds like it builds on what you've been doing with Humans First. Uh, tell us more about what you are doing with Humans First and where that name came from. I know there's a story there. Oh, there is a story. Uh, I, I want to build on what Kat said and said, for me, networking is all about relationships. I, I heard this. It's now 18, uh, 17 years ago when I first heard this from Barbara Sable from the Kellogg Foundation. Relationships are primary all else is derivative. Relationships are primary. All else is derivative. It's all about creating relationships, connecting with people and having real live, uh, as Kat said, conversation. So I, I've got a friend, Mike Vacanti, who uh, maybe 18, 20 months ago now started this organization or a movement actually called Humans First. It's about putting humans back at the center of business rather than being at the periphery. Mike and I met in January of 2019 uh, and became fast friends. And then in February, I had this idea, was looking at the month of March and saw there were five Fridays in March. And I thought, what if... We just hosted an experiment, conducted an experiment, hosted a hangout on Fridays for an hour, opened a, a Zoom room to see who would show up. Would people show up? Would they join in? Would they connect? Would they have conversation? Well, Tobin, you were with us last Friday, and that happened to be our 70th week of doing this, week after week after week. We've, we've had several hundred people join us now in average somewhere between 50 
and 60 a week from usually 12 to 15 countries. And it's just a time, as Kat was saying, it's authentic connection, real life conversation about topics that matter. And it's just amazing if you open the door and lower the walls, people will come in, people will show up as real. So we set some parameters to, to make sure it's not about pontificating, it's not about promotion, it's not about politics. This is this gathering is about people and getting to know one another. And people show up and they dive in and they're hungry for real, authentic connection. And it happens every week. You're with us, Tobin. What did you enjoy I, most about it? You know, I, I did. I, I First of all, I love your P3 rule. I thought that was, I think you did a masterful job of how you hosted the event. Um, there was definitely a different feel. This was the first time I had, I know a lot of other folks have been doing the big Zoom events with the breakout rooms. It was my first experience with that. And I was really curious to to go through that as as a user and just see what it felt like. So, uh, it, and it was a great experience, a very warm, friendly. I think you built a culture within that group of people because even within the small breakouts, you have a lot of, a lot of folks that are uh, leaders of the tribe, so to speak. Speaking of which, I wanted to share. So we had someone, uh, I can't see the name on this one, but a LinkedIn user that says, so good to see you, Kevin. I'm loving the Humans First Hangouts. Um, we have, uh, let's see, we had a couple others. Uh, Todd Westra joined, she said, awesome. Uh, let's see, who else? Um, Maureen uh, jumped in there as well. Uh, yeah, so we've got some conversation going. So um, I wanna come back, I wanna circle back uh, with you in a moment, Kevin, because I want to dig into some of the specifics. There may be other folks out there who are one thinking, you know, I'd like to try that too. It sounds kind of interesting. Um, so we definitely want to talk about those details. I think steering the ship for an event for one of these virtual networking, I'm sure that we have some experts out there that uh, would like to understand how to moderate and, and be the host of that kind of a event as well. But before we go there, uh, Finn, I want to hear from you because the, the platform that you're uh, working with, with Blitzer, is different, same and different. Obviously, it's got the virtual networking, uh, but there's a very different feel to it. I'd love to hear about how you, uh, what you've been doing there as you've been hosting those events, because it's, it uh, it's, it's constructed differently uh, intentionally. Yeah, definitely. So I was really looking for um, a means to connect with people in a short amount of time um, because I don't know, like most people on this call probably is like my calendar would fill up really quickly. I know people post screenshots of a really busy calendar, um, but that actually stresses me out quite a lot. And I didn't want to um, spend all my time talking one-to-one -one with people. I was like, surely there's a, a more simplistic way of, of doing this. And um, interestingly, I was working with a client of mine. So it's a client of mine um, who founded Blitzer and the kind of people I work with are really kind of smart um, people, but struggle to nail down the one thing to focus on for a long enough time to make it successful. So um, this was kind of, we started working together. I started working with Jeff um, kind of late February. And just of course, March came along. We were actually working on something completely different. He'd um, shelved the Blitzer thing for a while. And um, I said to him, I said, that now's the perfect time. Um, because one of the, the things that I like to do, especially with people who are ultra smart, is not just focusing on how to bring out all the the, um, the clever stuff that they can do, but how to actually link it to a specific need in the marketplace. Um, and we've really found with Blitzer that people have really craved that um, 
human connection, but then also there's that kind of gamification aspect where it's like, um, you know, it's like pulling the slot machine, see who's going to come next because it's it's picked at random. Um, and another really cool aspect of it is that once you've been in enough Blitzer events is that you can actually choose people that you don't want to uh, necessarily connect with again, not because, you know, it might be that you don't like them, but um, more to the point, it might be that, you know, you're both marketing consultants or something. So it's like, you know, is there any point of you having another conversation, right? So it means as well as you can um, set a preference as to who you would like to meet. And that's what I loved about um, Blitzer was because offline, I'm, I'm very much kind of anti-networker in many ways. Uh, I'm not good at small talk and, um, you know, it, the worst thing is getting landed with somebody and and politely just trying to kind of come away from the, the conversation. Um, Again, you're kind of if you're in a room with you know 50 to 100 people, perhaps you're not going to get around everybody, you know. Um, so I found this a really kind of effective way of using uh, or utilizing the the best of your time and meeting the right people um, consistently over and over again. I think that's a major hurdle that people um, come up against. So um, that's why I've been consistently using it. It's really kind of rocked, and I'm really pleased to share it with everybody else. So I want to summarize here because we have uh, three different things going and a, a nice range of activities that are happening in this virtual networking space. Uh, Kat, you talked about doing organic outreach. So literally messaging folks, you know, meeting them online, organizing. This is probably the most traditional model that folks are thinking about uh, when that's an important part of their business, essentially the, the ability to go and meet new people that may be Again, they could be strategic partners, they could be potential clients, but going out directly and meeting with folks, with folks. Kevin, you talked about the the um, big Zoom meeting. Uh, I'll be curious to hear the biggest, like how big that has gotten for you at times, but taking a big group of people that when I was there the other day, there were at least uh, three different screens of faces, a whole pile of faces on the screen, and then breaking them into smaller groups of you know, four to six, um, you know, maybe eight people where there's a small group discussion around a topic. And then Finn, you talked about essentially speed networking or speed dating with, you know, one-to-one -one with an algorithm, algorithm behind it that is helping to sift and sort and match people together, uh, which was kind of interesting from my first experience with that. Uh, the first time I was just watching. So I, my, my first matches were hundred percent just you know, left a chance, meet someone, and, and this was fun. And then I started to understand, oh, I can, so if I meet someone really interesting and I know that they should be talking to Kat or to Kevin or to Finn, I can actually suggest that to the algorithm. I can thumbs up, uh, you know, to, which is, I really want to talk to this person or later tonight uh, when we, you know, when we do our uh, blitz, uh, our meetup mixer that we called it, uh, I've actually got some of my team members uh, with Book of Experts who are there who I talk to every day. So I didn't necessarily want to do my one-on-ones with them. I wanted to give them an opportunity to meet some new folks as well. So I intentionally tagged them so that, you know, we wouldn't end up in, in the same meetings, you know, spread around a little bit. So three different approaches. Uh, Kevin, I want to come back to you uh, because Zoom has been just dominating the headlines. Uh, so many people talking about it, a rocket ship of growth. <laughs> good headlines, bad headlines, you know, because of the privacy. Uh, but you you seem to really have a knack for taking a big group of people and, uh, and steering them in a, in a way that, you know, an hour later, they're walking away with big smiles on their face. Right. Where, where did you learn that? Well, thank you, Tobin. Uh, 
trial and error, a lot of just in the trenches. And a lot of this is looking at what really works in live uh, situations with people and how do we best adapt that to, to online sessions. Um, so one thing I, I started noticing, and I'll ask this question, I, I've read about Zoom fatigue. And I can't help but wonder if you are just holding meetings, might you be the reason for Zoom fatigue in your meetings? Uh, that there's a different way to do this. And Finn, you saw that. So part of it is, as our group began to grow, the very first meeting we had nine people show up. And all of our outreach has always been organic for 16 months now, going into our 17th month. It's always been organic that somebody in... in uh, Tobin, I asked you the other day, how did you get there? Somebody invited you. Somebody told you about it, a friend of yours. That's how this works. You know, it's very organic. Somebody reaches somebody. But as our group began to grow, not everyone could speak up into the group. So from the beginning, I started using a tool, Mentimeter, that a client in Norway introduced me to four plus years ago. And I just loved it because it allows everyone an opportunity to express themselves. So we do things like word clouds. We'll do things like um, scales. You know, this week, did you experience more floundering or flourishing this week? And just have all of these things where people get to interact. And then we started using the breakout rooms to break down a big meeting. When, once we got to 45, 50 people, it's really hard for people to get to know one another. So I'm really excited about what Finn's introducing us to later. Same kind of thing, Finn. We do two or three rounds of conversations to get people into smaller groups. So the big room all of a sudden seems like a small room and I get to meet people one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, that was one of the interesting things to see you sort of pop into the different groups. It, it very much had that feel of a real life event where a facilitator uh, is moving around the room and, and sort of stepping into the small groups to see, you know, what they're talking about and, and pulling back those little discussion points for everyone. How big have, have those groups become for you, Kevin? The, the largest we've had, we've pushed up to 70. And that's like, wow, that, that, that really is. Once we started hitting three screens, like you saw the other day, it gets crazy because you're like, you hear somebody talking, you're like, who is that? <laughs> you know, and you start, you're scrolling your screens to see who's illuminated in Zoom and all of that. But it's a lot of fun. And what is amazing, I mean, this is truly the law of attraction at work. Because I, I say this several times, we only have amazing people show up. So if you're here today, you are amazing. And you just join the group. And, and that's what we attract. Can I, I add something to what's going on right now? Yeah, go, go ahead. Uh, I hate waiting my turn. <laughs> uh, uh, wait, wait one second, though, Kat. Uh, Kevin, if you would, uh, can you throw, I think it's menti.com, but can you throw that resource in the chat so folks can, the, the one that creates the word clouds? Yeah. I, that was a nice touch, and I'm sure folks would love to see it. But Kat, floor is yours. <laughs> um, so, you know, what we're doing online right now isn't novel, right? It's been done in person for ever. And that's what a lot of people don't understand is that what you're doing in person is what we're translating to online. So think of the pencil and the eraser. Both things existed beforehand, but the person who decided to put them together was the person that started making more money because they created efficiency, they created ease, um, you know, whatever it is that you want to think about. So, you know, 
people are all, all on the Zoom fatigue. And I'm like, we've heard this before, meeting fatigue. I mean, corporate America, meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, a meeting to have a meeting to have a meeting, right? So, uh, you know, we're looking at how do you, what do you do when you're at an in-person conference where there are thousands of people, you have workshops, you have breakout sessions, you have panels, right? People are basically told here are the opportunities and, you know, put your hand up for what you want. So it's really up to us as entrepreneurs, business owners to provide the platform for people to raise their hand and say, I'm interested in this and to continue the conversation. And so people are like, oh, how do we do this? How do we do that? I mean, no offense to Kevin and, and, and Finn, you guys are great and you're masterful at what you do, but think about that. They've mastered a skill set. And so your opportunity here, just like in corporate America, just like an entrepreneurial, you know, school, if you will, which is, you know, the school of life is to master skill sets, to be able to have the conversation, to create an environment and a community for people to want to participate and to get to know you and connect on a real level. So it was just kind of what was popping up for me as, as Kevin was sharing what he was sharing. And you know, actually, there's a lot more opportunity because introverts like, let me just call it Finn's an introvert, <laughs> just based off of what he was sharing. Um, I can't see him and I'm insulting him, but it's OK. Like, it's all love. Um, this provides an opportunity for people who didn't want to go out and network in person to actually show up because they can have these blitz experiences where, you know, it takes so much out of an introvert to go out and be extroverted and they can go and be very precise and strategic. So that's actually opening up your population to more people that you wouldn't have been able to gather if you did an in-person meetup or you had an in-person conference. So there's actually more money to be made now because we're going to a virtual space. It, it feels like that to me as well, but uh, sometimes I wonder if I'm biased just because of sort of the space that I'm working in. And Finn, we have I a feel you advantage because we've been doing this longer than a lot of other people. So yeah, yeah well, we there's a joke in my family that we've been social distancing for decades now, so we got really good at it before it became <laughs> all a thing. the introverts when the coronavirus <laughs> hit were like, yes, <laughs> this is how I want the world to be. <laughs> Yeah. So, so Finn, I feel you. I was writing a bio the other day for myself and I, I jokingly called myself uh, an introverted savant, which was better, I thought, than calling myself an idiot savant. But <laughs> the, the, the introverted part, I, I am seeing that from a lot of folks. I think that this virtual space has created an easier, uh, almost a fountainhead of introverts who are coming to the front because uh, the real life events, I don't, particularly like the big conferences, the one when you go and there are thousands of, it just feels like too much. It's too much packed into usually two or three days. So my head feels like it's doing this by the end of the third day. And, uh, and it's, it feels like a, a lot of pressure as well to, to, you know, always sort of be on and ready to meet someone. Well, the, haven't the introverts just always been there? They take in a lot of information, right? They're going and they're researching and they're seeing. And now, things like, you know, Finn and Kevin are providing them a platform to be able to, um, you know, I don't, I don't have the right terminology, but basically to sporadically show up, right, which is how they're fine doing. And I talk about them like some diseased corner mutants, but they're not. <laughs> they are very insightful people, just like extroverts, but whatever. What I'm saying is, is that when we provide them the opportunity, when we say, here's the thing that fuses the pencil and the eraser together, right, that's what Finn is providing. That's what Kevin is providing is that platform, that way of being able to take both worlds and put them together. And there's only a small connection piece but it really opens up the bridge from, you know, land of the extrovert and land of the introverts to be able to connect to each other and find each other. I am going all over metaphors here. Done. 
So I want to uh, take a second to do a couple more shout outs. So uh, Laura jumped in. She said, I love how Kat brought up the invention of putting a pencil and eraser together. Uh, uh, Leilani, I think uh, she spoke up about, yes, that she liked the social distancing part. But I also know that, so Leilani is one of the ones, she's the one who mentioned uh, your event, Kevin, and encouraged me to attend. And one of the pieces of feedback she shared was, you know, she loved the small group format. It felt like it was a little less pressure than to show up in the one-to-one -one initially. Um, but, you know, there are other people around. And of course, you have some wonderful ambassadors of the community there that, you know, that's, I felt very welcome right from right from the get-go. So you've, you've done a wonderful job building that virtual culture. Um, how do you do that? How do you build that virtual culture? Uh, intentionally. I mean, it starts with intention. And you know, I love what Kat said of how you just, the, the things we're doing are things you do in real person meetings. You know, some years ago, I had done a session and a, a gentleman, it was a group of uh, executives from Latin America. And at the end of the session, a guy walked up to me. He said, may I tell you what impacted me most today? And I remember that hearing this was the guy least uh, um, agreeable to what we were there to do. And at the end of it, he said, you know what impacted me most? And I'm, you know, like, I can't wait to hear. He said, it's the way you looked me in the eye, greeted me, shook my hand back in the days when you could shake hands with people. <laughs> when I entered the room, I don't do that for my people. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, where did I learn that? I didn't learn that in graduate school. I didn't learn that at university. I learned that in the kitchen in the living room of the little house I grew up in from my mom and dad, you know, that just taught me to connect with people. And that's what people want. So one of the things we do, I mean, just when the Zoom is starting, as people are coming in, hey, Kat, great to have you back with us today. Hey, Finn, good to see you. Are you here for the first time, Tobin? You know, just these little things, just connecting. So taking a few minutes to connect with people. One of the things that people tell me they love most is we have the same kind of guidelines that we introduce every week that just kind of says, hey, this is a place of love and listening. This is a place of mutual respect and support. This is a place of belonging. And then we say, hey, we want to avoid the three Ps, you know, po no politics, no pontification, no promotion, because right now politics can be so alienating to people. So we just are, we're very intentional. But then we just want to welcome people. And we say right up front, we start with something positive every week. Like what's what is something you're grateful for now to shift? the energy, you know, and always create or start with something positive. And it just sets the tone. And like I say, yeah. only amazing people show up. So that helps. I, th I think you've done a great job of setting that tone in it. And it really shows in what you're doing. Um, Kat and Finn, I'd like to hear from you guys as well. Um, Kevin has shared some examples of sort of what he's been doing in his space with his venue. What have you been learning, particularly in the last couple of months, uh, as this virtual space, the, the need for virtual networking has come to the front. What are you doing differently? What have you stopped doing? Uh, what are you learning that others could learn from? Finn, we'll go. We'll go to you first on this one. Yeah, good one. So thanks for the shout out on on being the introvert cat. Really appreciate that. Um, and Scottish double bonus. And Scottish, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's the USP right there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. Funnily enough, when everybody went online, I was looking for somewhere I could go, which was offline, right? So that's why I got so involved with uh, with Blitzer, because it meant that I wasn't on social media all the time as well. So that was uh, really good. And, and just to kind of clarify something as well, um, 
on the whole kind of introverted side of things. So people are just like, you know, introverts are scared of speaking to people, which isn't <laughs> true. They're just scared of speaking, not scared of speaking, but they don't want to waste their time speaking to the wrong people. It's amazing when an introvert speaks to somebody that, um, you know, really they really connect with. It's like they suddenly become more extroverted than, than a lot of the extroverts out there. So, um, but that's what I found really kind of useful uh, with using a tool like Blitzer is, I mean, A, the first thing that everybody's struggling with is they're, they're, they've lost control to a certain extent um, of of lots of different things. And what I find is that by having a solid platform for, for networking, um, you're getting stability. So essentially the best thing for people when they're, they're losing control is to find some element of stability to kind of rein that in as opposed to, um, you know, they're in that fight flight mode and it's like, you know, everything's going to fail and blah, blah, blah. Business isn't going to be the same. Your network is really your asset at these times because um, it doesn't matter what you know or um, how well things are working in the, the interim. As soon as something happens that you're not prepared for, if you lack stability within your mm -hmm. business, then um, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So I think a lot of people have experienced that. And what's been really great can, about yeah on, can, can i can i jump in i want i want to break that word down stability i'm mm. i'm thinking can can you describe it in other terms as well i'm thinking you're it's the structure that you're referencing because that is i i actually really like that about blitzer it's one of the things that to me uh, separates that platform specifically it's very time-based you see that the time and the you know, there's a lot of switching, uh, you know, between because it is the speed dating format. So you have these short sessions and you have to move from one. But is that what you're referencing about the stability or are you meaning it in a different way? Yeah, I mean, stability in terms of, um, you know, when you're surrounded by the right people, it doesn't really matter. Like the worst things can happen. But if you're surrounded by good people and you, um, you know, you maintain a network like an asset, then you really are a lot more unstoppable um, because it means that even in the, the most trying times, um, obviously we've, we've had a lot of people who have, um, you know, we've all had challenges to one extent or another. Um, but what's been really great, um, I've personally found over the years is, is by focusing on building networks um, and, you know, meaningful relationships with people like, you know, um, Kevin was saying before, um, that's where your stability comes from because really stability if, if we kind of go to the psychology of stability it's a measurement of um of what's around us basically okay so it's like if what we perceive is holding it all together disappears then ultimately what happens is our stability fades away and the first thing we need to do is we need to get control of something right and that you know results in a lot of kind of shiny object chasing and um, poor decision making and so forth. But if you build that stability into your business, so looking at assets that aren't necessarily um, the, the, the fast um, dopamine hitting gratification things like, you know, it's not just about making sales. It's all about building the assets that result in making consistent sales, regardless of what the market landscape is. So it's it's the long game of these relationships you're building. It, the, when you were speaking, I had this image in my mind of the iceberg where, you know, you see just the tip, but the bulk weight is under the water. And 
and doesn't move very much, right? It's a big mass. And that's the net when the network is built, it's there. As long as you're, you know, continuing to develop those relationships and meeting with meeting new people as the iceberg gets bigger. But you know, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this analogy. I just had this image as you were describing the, uh, this, this, this some more metaphor magic. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's really important for people to be conscious of the fact that um, I mean, we couldn't predict what's happened in the last kind of, you know, four months or so, right? Um, but the truth is, is that, you know, there are things that are out with our control. But the thing is, is that um, that helps us kind of cope with things that are out of our control. There's not control itself, it's stability, you know? So that's what's really interesting about, you know, um, humans is we'll often chase the thing that doesn't give us what it is that we're looking yeah. for, right? Um, so just by thinking about things in terms of what can I do to create more future stability within my business? Yes, it's going to take a little bit of time, but when you take time to build the right relationships in the right places, it means that should things, um, you know, change overnight, like they did for a lot of people, um, you know, ultimately it's, it depends how you look at it. You go from, um, it's the worst thing that's ever happened to, well, everybody's got a hair on fire problem. It's like, how can I, um, how can I help? Right. Um, it really depends how you look at things, but you can only exercise that element of decision-making if you know people to talk to, right? If you don't have anybody to speak to about what problems are you facing, getting some intel and data from the market, you don't know what to do, you know? Um, and so that's what I find most important about the stability aspect. Uh, and I'm hoping that answers your question. It does. And you, you've got some fans there, Finn. I wanted to throw on the screen. Maureen said, love that. And hey, uh, John, John Daniels said, I love it as well. Um, I want to come back to that point in a moment, This because I think you are hinting or, or going in the direction of isolation, which I think we've all felt a little bit uh, in, in, you know, as part of these changes in the world around us. But I want to circle back. I want to hear from Kat first, because I do want to hear what you've been learning. You're, I've learned a ton from you, uh, Kat, over the last couple of years. You're a deep thinker about this stuff. You pull your, your um, consulting, your Booz Allen background into the picture a lot of times. What have you been learning, particularly in the last you know, couple months through, through these big changes? It's funny. Um, the thing that we're battling, if you will, is still the same issue that we were battling before. And it's time, right? So people still have less time than they had before. So before they had to commute into the office and people are like, oh, you've got all this time. You can write a book. You can start your blog. You can start that other business. You can make $3 million. And you can. But the problem is, is that there's a lot of people who have kids at home. Speaking as someone who has three that are under six, I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a one-year-old at home, uh, time was not something I had more of. I didn't have more of it before the virus hit, and I didn't have, I don't have more of it now. Um, and so I basically teach my clients, and I work a lot with the concept of, this is really groundbreaking, putting effort into being lazy. And it's a lot of what Finn was talking about. I really need to see their faces when I make these jokes. Um, I feed <laughs> off of it. So, um, so it's putting effort into being, thank you. All right, we're laughing. Good. I feel good about myself now. Um, so we're putting effort into being lazy. And what it is, is, you know, a lot of people have, and, and the concept of less time, right? And so if we're looking at that, we're looking at building the relationships. But what a lot of people do is steamroll through the relationships, right? So they start, they don't see something pan out. They're focused on the sale. They're in it for the business. 
but they don't realize that there's so much more opportunity than just the sale, right? So Tobin and I connected. And so look, now I've been featured twice and probably more as one of those guest standby experts. <laughs> I'm not subtle. Um, so, like, but like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to network with Kevin and I'm going to go out and network with Finn and we have this connection in place. I'm not looking to sell them anything. Could they eventually buy from me? Maybe, but I'm not attached to that. I'm attached to what can we create more than just the individual sums of ourselves, right? So I want to go and network with Kevin on and go to his thing. I want to go and do this. I'm, I'm going afterwards to the blitzing. So if you want to go laugh, show up. Um, but really looking at, you know, how do we own the relationship and how do we follow up? Like we're not going to meet someone in, in the infancy of the relationship and let it go, right? We need to nurture it along the way, go back, follow up. And that's what I talk about with my clients is how are you capturing and activating your leads? Are you just capturing names and then rolling through and, you know, stepping on them and going past them? Or are you nurturing the relationship so that you can eventually be able to provide value and also receive value? Because a lot of people are just in the, I'm out to get it. And they're not in a place in energetically where they're in it to receive it because things will naturally evolve. People will naturally want to help each other out. And just like um, Kevin was saying of like, I, my platform naturally attracts, it's the law of abundance, uh, the law of attraction, right? They're attracting people who want to support each other just for the sheer fact of wanting to support each other. So when you create an intimate and you know, sacred community like that, you want to share it with more people and more people come in to give rather than take. And in the end, more people end up getting. So, I mean, that's one of the thing is, is you, you want to make sure you're spending less time. You want to put effort into being lazy. So nurturing those relationships and not letting those leads fall through the cracks, because think of it this way. How many times have you reached out to someone and said, Hey, I'm interested in learning more about what you do. And they never got back to you. But you were actually genuinely potentially, you know, interested in spending money with that person. They never bothered to get back to you. How many times have you done that to someone? Because you don't have a mechanism to nurture the relationship along its path. Um, so that's that's kind of the differentiator is how do you get someone the results faster? And that's why Kevin and Finn's platforms are gang going gangbusters because people can get more value in less time and being able to recapture that. So if you can leverage that as your competitive advantage, as well as making more money, having better relationships, right? Time and money are really the things. What do people buy? More money, better health, better relationships. If you can hit multiple of those in your offer, then you're going to win. I, first of all, I love that you're, I, I had to shed, do the shout out, putting more effort into being lazy. That's a great line. That's, um, <laughs> that's yours. I know we'll, we'll have to trademark that one to cat. Um, what I also like that you underlined though, be, and this is really important because we're, we're heading into this networking, this, you know, meetup mixer or speed dating, whatever, whatever you want to, however you want to reference it. We're heading into this. Uh, and it's really important that you go into those meetings and you're, you're really trying to, find the awesome in that other person and where can you connect and not because if you go into those meetings kevin maybe you saw this in in your zoom meetups uh finn i don't know if you've seen this as well with some of the events you've been hosting but people that come in and they're in sales mode and this is who i am and you know they're going to hit you over the head with it it can't go well right so Tobin, I, I just have to say something before. There's so many things I want to say, but if you just had a remote control for that ceiling fan, that would be like the <laughs> ultimate propeller hat. You know, you could just <laughs> spin it every once in a while because I keep looking like, and he looks like he's got you know one of those propeller hats. So anyway, I, I, well, I, I digress. Yeah. So, 
so there is a remote control. I tried to turn the dying thing on because it's really warm in our house today. Uh, I even had a dress shirt on uh, for you guys earlier, but that, that's been lost along the way because it's that warm in the office. But anyways, <laughs> there's a whole story about where I am right now. We've been Airbnb surfing since March and the, the whole uh, COVID story. But that, that's a story for another okay. day. I do want to come back. So uh, one of the articles, I'm going to pull this up on the screen in a moment, but I want to hear from you guys first. Uh, one of the articles that we saw, Dan Schauble, who's an author, um, has his own podcast, talks about the light side and the dark side of this work from home, remote working teams, talks about sometimes we feel out of sight, out of mind. If you're not in front of the, the C-suite, you know, the decision makers, are you forgotten? There's some different aspects to that. I do want to pull up that article and I'd love to hear from you guys. Are you seeing that light side, dark side to the work? Kat, you've been very optimistic and positive about what's coming out of it. What are some of the dark sides that we're seeing? This is the same thing that happened in corporate America, right? Like people strive for attention and some people, I mean, so basically it comes down to, you've got to know your employee's love language. And I know I've repeated, you know, said that mentioned it in other ways, but basically you have to understand how people receive attention, affirmation, confirmation of what they do. Some people, and here's the thing, it's typically not money. And so a lot of people look at that and being like, oh, I have to throw money at the problem. No, you have to become a better manager. You have to become a better director. You have to be able to show what it is. And one of the things that people appreciate is time. But if you're someone like a CEO and you don't have the time and you're giving your time to people, that's why some of these companies do these town halls. They do things like that. Um, but it can't be lift service. It's it's like having performance reviews. And we've all experienced them if you come from corporate of like, oh, yeah, we're going to do performance reviews. And you're like, oh, great. We're going to do a bunch of work that's going to do nothing. So some of these articles talked about, you know, communicating and whatever. And the biggest thing that you can do is actually show with action. Right. What is it that you're doing? Line up again, the pencil and the eraser. How do you line those up together to fit? You've got to talk about it and you've got to do. So, you know, maybe it's creating these small meetups in person, right? When it's safe to be together. Maybe it's having more specifically targeted meetings related to a certain issue. And it all really comes down to communication and the act of communication and how to really build those relationships. Oh, look at that, we're full circle. You're welcome. Um, how are you building the relationships bottom down and bottom up? And how are you creating that transparency? How are you removing some of the hierarchy? Because now you don't have the, oh, all the C-suites on the ninth floor. No, you're all on the same level because you're all on the internet. Tobin, may I share a couple of things real quick? Yep. One of these do. is the story I heard. This was a CEO in a company, 2,000 people, where everybody thought the CEO was a bit uppity and a bit removed. He hosted a conversation early or early in the, the experience, like late March, early April, and he showed up in his pajamas because he was working from home and he wanted to communicate that we understand you're not just working at home, but you're working at home during a crisis. So there are all these other things going on in your life. Let, let us let you know we know it's different and we expect it to be different. We don't expect business as usual. Now, another one I heard, a dear friend of mine, Miranda in the UK, she works from home all the time, works in this organization that really puts people first and it's what they're all about. But her husband started working at home. He works in a tech firm. And she said he, she was passing through the area of the house where he's occupying at work at home. And she heard their team meeting start. 
and the boss got on there, 20 people on the call, and he starts by saying, everybody okay? Mm. Yeah, Kat, right. What what was there was only one answer he was looking for in that moment. He wasn't asking, hey, what's new in your life or what's going on in your world since we were last together? Let's talk about that. Is everybody are you are you managing things? OK, he was like, is everybody OK? The answer he wanted was, yes, let's move on. Let's get on with the agenda. Let's get down to business. Not that I really care about you. you know, and this opportunity to express care. And a commitment. A CEO I admire is Bob Chapman, wrote the book Everybody Matters. And in that book, what he, he uses this phrase, span of care. And he shared with me on my podcast one time just how different it was of impacting a roundtable of CEOs when he asked, How many people are in your span of care? Not how many people are in your span of control. But how many people are in your span of care? And you start thinking about how I lead impacts how people live. And these are people that I care for. It changes things. So I hope that's the shift that we're, we're seeing happen now. I just added that name, uh, your span of care, and Bob Chapman's name to the uh, to the chat as well, so folks can look that up. I love that. Um, we're we're coming up on the end of our time, so the last thing that I want to do with everyone, this has been fun. I think I think with this group we could go uh, another hour and go deeper on all this, but I would love to hear what we call your panel picks of the week. This has been one of the most fun things that we've been doing because we get some of the coolest ideas, apps that people have not heard about, books that we should all be reading, uh, you know, recent purchases that it just feel like it was the best money you could ever spend. Uh, what's going on in your world? Finn, we haven't heard from you for a little bit. Do you have a pick of the week that you'd like to share with us? Um, I think one of the things that I've kind of honed in on um, for the, for the last kind of couple of months, I actually did a course on practical or stoicism in practice. Um, and that's kind of picked up a lot of um, wheels during the, the pandemic and so forth. But one of the things that got me involved in, in the kind of stoic writings and so forth was um, Ryan Holiday, The Obstacle is the Way, um, which then took me on to you know, other writings and so forth as well. But that was definitely um, a huge turning point for me in terms of um, usually the way people try and make decisions is they try and look at, well, what's opposite to the fear that I am experiencing right now? And that's why they would jump from one thing to another, not really making the progress that they want to see. So when I realized that the obstacle is the way, it's like, well, what is that fear? And usually when I work through that fear, understanding that it was you know the thing that i was really looking for was on the other side of that fear um best place to start obstacle is the way by ryan holiday love that so uh the book is a great starting point and and it sounds like you also are really uh recommending or like the the course there's there's a companion course now i think i saw ryan is has put out is that the one you're doing yeah that's right yeah it's actually a different course that i'm doing but i did the ryan holiday one as well yeah interesting great Solid stuff. Uh, Kat, how about you? What is your pick of the week? Um, I'm always a big fan of The Big Leap. Um, it's my pick of the life. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And here's the thing. There's a lot of things that there's always an opportunity for you to be able to say no to something and to say yes to something. So, you know, when you're looking at the world right now, um, could we have anticipated, 
you know, the coronavirus? No. Could we have, you know, anticipated any, you know, kind of just things that are disrupting what people consider normal, right? So we went to, through the coronavirus-ish and then other things started happening and then that disrupted in terms of what your pattern is and how you function in life. And the thing is, is that you can always bank on the fact that something's going to disrupt how you live, how you get comfortable. And so you've got to look at how are you looking at those things? Are you seeing them as an opportunity to say yes to something or as an excuse to be able to say no? Um, and I've seen a lot of people kind of stepping down, shying away, not doing what they wanted to do, using certain environmental factors as an excuse not to show up as their full selves. So I just also want to invite people to start looking at, you know, what are some opportunities you can start saying yes to in your life because it's time for you to start making more big leaps. I like it. That's that's a that's actually a great promotion for the book. What I also like is that we're and seeing this. I don't this, get any this, money for that. So. <laughs> we're seeing this pattern here that uh, it's it's not necessarily the newest stuff, but sometimes the, the things that have been around for a little while that are timeless and evergreen that uh, carry a oh, lot yeah. of weight, especially when we're if looking at it. You want a recession-proof strategy? Talk about using relationships to continue to grow and build your business. It does like technology only amplifies what you have going on. So if you don't have certain components in your business that are working, technology isn't going to solve the problem. You need to have the basic foundational skill sets and the basic foundational skill sets can take you to multiple millions without necessarily having you know, funnels or whatever tech in place. I'm just, guys, just putting that out there and not <laughs> guys, male guys, just people in general. I'm attacking, the, I'm attacking the males. All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> always love the uh, techno the psychology over technology approach. Uh, Kevin, your pick yeah. of the week. Well, I'll share two. One of these is an app that I, let's see if I can get that to kind of right there on the phone. You may see it. It's Mood Meter by Dr. Mark Brackett, and it's uh, out of Yale. Research they've done where you can actually record and track your moods and what's happening with your moods to really get a window into your emotions. So there are these four quadrants, but then they have 25 actual emotions in each of the four quadrants. So there are 100 emotions you might be feeling. Um, it's a fun thing. I learned of Mark from Brene Brown's podcast a few weeks ago. And then I guess the other thing I would recommend, a dear friend recommended it over the weekend. I started listening to Brene Brown's Dare, I mean, uh, Rising Strong, a spiritual practice. And so this is a live session she did in front of 1,400 people just going, really riffing on the concepts of the book and sharing her own stories and, and walking people through this journey. And it's really, uh, We lost you, Kevin, for a second. That's like something. Audio. Yeah, we we lost your. Got okay, muted. there you go. Rising you're back strong now. as a spiritual <laughs> practice is a Brene Brown. It's on Audible. It's an exclusive Audible book. Uh, it, it's a good one to listen to. Awesome. I love both of those. Um, on Mood Meter, is it? Are you also seeing? Uh, is it sort of tracking as you're able to pick up patterns because you're. Essentially, it's spot testing you, right? So yeah, if you look yeah. back on a, a, a batch of the data, you start to pick up on uh, patterns of your behavior that you might not have seen otherwise. Yes, yes. Um, and and I'm using it with a client group tomorrow to help them really kind of deal in, dial back and see what's really going on. Because mm -hmm. the last three months, right, we, we have all experienced a, a 
plethora of emotions, and then especially over the last month, all of the things, so much tension. And people just don't, Brene Brown, she said this in the audio book, we normally have about three emotions we can express. You know, happy, pissed off, um, joy, right? or it's just three. And there are these hundreds of emotions. So whether you're using the emotional wheel or, you know, some other, this tool, just learn more about yourself and, and how to kind of get a better handle on where you're going through this. Yeah, never, never been more important for all of us to step back and, and sort of be introspective a little bit here and, and figure out where we're at because there's a lot going on around us. And I think Kat, you started off by talking about, you know, being our best self, like showing up in our fullest uh, form and bringing that to the table. So I think that's a nice bookend on our discussion today. Uh, last thing I want to share with folks is uh, just make sure you catch or join us, I should say, over um, at our speed networking event. We're going to do that right afterwards. We're going to be start starting up there in about five minutes. Uh, it is at Blitzer. There's a link in the description and uh, in a few places. We put it in the comments as well, uh, but that will actually take you in. You can register for the event um, and we'll actually meet a bunch of you. Hopefully that will be a fun way to uh, add some new people to your network. And uh, we've got a wonderful group. I appreciate all of you guys that have left comments. Very much appreciate uh, the, the three of you in our panel today, Kat, Finn, Kevin, for joining us. Two, two newbies today and a returning guest. And uh, any last <laughs> thoughts before we, before we roll out into the end of uh, Book of Experts TV? I've got one, and this is just a, a, a philosophy I adopted towards networking some years ago. Enter a relationship with high anticipation that anything can happen and no expectation. Right? Don't expect, oh, I'm going to meet Kat, and I've already looked at her profile, and Kat's going to introduce me to Tobin, and Kat's going to introduce me to Finn, and by the end of the week, blah, blah. No, but high anticipation. Anything is possible. And I'm going to meet some amazing people and who knows what's going to happen. That's that's a great thought, Kevin. I'm going to carry that over into the uh, networking event shortly. And uh, with all that, we'll see you guys in our next episode.